Welcome to New Branch Community Church. We're glad you're here today. And I am excited about what we're going to talk about today because we're talking about living in the now. Um, and honestly, that's really the only place you can live in. You know, it's kind of one of those messages where you're kind of like, duh, I mean, <laughs> that's where I live. Because you can't live in the past, you can't live in the future, you can only live in the here and now. But some people, you're kind of, sometimes we get stuck in the past, or sometimes we get stuck going, man, I really hope one day it'll get better, and it never seems to happen. And so today we're going to talk about how do we have victory, how, do we, how can we win in the now, and what part does God play in that? So let me ask you a question today. How many people like to win? Y'all like to win? If you're, you're a ball team, how many of you are Dallas Cowboy fans? You go, well, I don't like to win. That's why I'm just playing. Or like our softball team this past Friday night, we didn't win, but that's okay. I mean, we, we did play really hard, and I said, you know what? The truth is, is we might not be able to beat them that way, but if we got in a fight, we'd think we could take them. Okay, so that's New Branch people. We were like, we played Elevate Church on Friday night, and we love Elevate Church, and it was a great time. I got to pray with them, and I mentioned before I prayed, I said, hey, guys, I just want you guys to know Elevate. Every Sunday before we start, we pray for their church, and we do, and I hope that you continue to do that. And I had this young girl, I mean, she, she was very young, and she came up, and she said, I just want you to know we pray for you guys every Sunday too. And that way it's, that's the way it's supposed to be about And I think that's a real victory, whoever wins on the scoreboard. But what I want to talk about today isn't really the funny part of it. It's winning at life. How many people want to win at life and you go, yes, I do. Or maybe you've had some areas of your life where you go, I have won. Or maybe you got some areas in your life to go, I'm trying really hard. And I really want, or maybe you started coming at Easter and you're going, I really want to win at life, but I got to tell you, there's some areas in my life where I'm not winning. Anybody having that happen? Maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in with your kids, maybe it's, I, I don't know, you know, maybe it's in your ministry, maybe it's all of the above. You're going, I tried and I'm just losing out at every area where I thought I had it and then somehow I'm not and I don't know how to get that back and I would love to think I could win, not just somewhere over the rainbow, but right now. And God has a plan for us in the right now and I don't want to share that with you today. So we're going to take a look through the lens of Philippians chapter 3. But before we go there, i got two questions I want to ask. And when I ask them, here's what I want to do. I just want you to, to not try to figure out and say, you know what, yeah, 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 I've heard that before. What I want you to do is I want you to write down, I really want you to think about this. Because here's what I know, and you can tell me if this is true. If you work for the government, you'll understand what I'm saying. Common sense isn't always common practice. Is that right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, so you could say, hey, I know that. Yeah, I've got that. I don't need to write that down. I already know all that stuff. I got it all up here in my head. Now, let me tell you something. If you're struggling, you may want to write some of these things down because here's what I know. Just because you know it doesn't mean you're doing it. Just because you know it doesn't mean you've evaluated it. And so if there's an area in your life and you're saying, you know what, I'm kind of struggling here and I would like to start winning then I'd like you to pay attention because God has a plan. But the truth is, it isn't going to work if we don't start to evaluate and really think about how this works, okay? So two questions, if you're going to win. You know, one, one of the first questions is this, where am I going? <laughs> I'll tell you, the, the cat from Alice in Wonderland, you remember what he said, the chat shower cat? I can hardly say that word, that's why I just wanted to say the cat. The chat shower cat said, if you don't know where you're going, it really don't matter much how you get there, right? In fact, he, in fact, he said it differently. He said, it, any road would take you there, <laughs> right? It, it, let me tell you something. If you don't know what the target is, any target will do, right? I mean, if you don't know what a target is, let me tell you something. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Now, that's not true. Every now and then, you could spray bullets, and you could I do a lot of shooting. You could hit the center target, but you're not going to group it, right? Anybody think that? It, yeah, that's fine. You can do it once. Let me see you shoot in that same spot again, and you're like, Well, no, nobody's going to do that twice. Nobody's going to do that three times. Why? Because you're not going to have success. You might have a flyer here and there where something worked out, but you don't have a true plan. You're you're aiming at nothing. So it's very important to answer the compass question, where am I going? Because you can all day long say, I want to go to Disney World, but if you're headed north from where we're at, right, it ain't going to work. So you got to have a direction. you got to know where you're going. So let me ask you a question. Where are you going? What is the win? If you don't have a defined win, it's kind of hard to hit it, isn't it? And God wants you to win. Not only does he want you to win, he wants you to know what the win is. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what that might be, okay? The second question is the one that gets a lot of us, okay? Some of us even know what the win is. But how are we going to get there, okay? It's one thing to say, I want to go to Disney World. It's another thing to say, I'm going to finance that. You're seeing what the price is on that now, right? How are we going to get there? That's the clock question. It says, hey, you know what? There's a scoreboard. That should be a scoreboard clock. We could have used that. 
And, and what it means is, is there's only so much time. You know, teams could win. Our team could have won on Friday night if we only had a couple more innings, okay? We might have needed a couple more than that. But, but you get the idea, or Dallas Cowboys could win if they had, I don't know, another season or something. But, but <laughs> sorry, I'm going to get off that subject. This is terrible. But you get the idea. Some people are saying that in their life. This is no joke. I could win, but I need more time. I need more resources. I need more stuff. But life is limited. Is that right? That's how God made it. And some people are saying, yeah, I could have if I had better opportunities. Can I tell you something? No, that's not true. It's not. God gave you the opportunities that you have, and we're not not winning because we don't have the opportunities. Just like an artist, you go, you know what you get to paint on? A canvas. You can paint anything you want on that canvas, but the truth is you only have this size canvas. You can't paint off the canvas. Does that make sense? So how are you going to get there? With the resources you have and what God's given you, how are you going to take that and actually have a plan? You've got a plan to win, right? And then not only have a plan to win, but take action on that plan. Because it's not enough just to have a plan. Some people go, yeah, I know everything. And, and some of you guys are real planners, and you know all that stuff, but you had not taken the first step. And it's real important today that we go, hey, not only where am I going, how am I going to get there? And as we look at that, it's absolutely awesome. Um, what we're going to talk about in the book of Philippians is basically Paul's blueprint, okay? The Apostle Paul laid out a blueprint, and I want you to kind of see it today. So we'll put it up here on the screen. If you want to turn with me, Philippians chapter 3. This is for the person that's decided to follow Jesus. On Easter Sunday, we, we, we gave an invitation that said, hey, if, if you want to follow Jesus, you can come, and, and he has died on the cross, and he's rose from the dead, and he wants a relationship with you. And if you don't have that, we'd like to invite you. It's not just on Easter. That's whenever you're ready. Come and follow him. You might be today, I'm not quite ready to do that yet. That's okay. What I want you to do is I want you to hear what it means to follow Christ. But here's what, one of the places that the church goes wrong. They tell, we tell you about how to come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's awesome. That's his part. But we don't tell you what to do next. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's saying, okay, now that you know him, now that you've accepted him, now where do you go from there? And that's what we want to talk about today. That's in the here and now. Okay? So here it is, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want you to underline a couple things for me today. I want you to underline, I want to know Christ. You know what that means? That means Paul knew where he was going. You get that? The first part of this verse, we've read it a thousand times, but you may have not seen it as a vision statement of life, but that's what he's doing. He's saying, you want to know what I want out of life? I want this. I want to know Christ. What is it you want? You ever been with somebody and they don't know what they want? Where do you want to go to dinner? Oh, I don't know. You decide. And then you tell them what, where you want to go, and then they go, nah, I don't think I want that. So they know what they, they, know what they don't want, but they don't know what they want. Okay, so... I want to what? I want to know Christ. He knows. He spent some time thinking about this. I know the destination I'm going to, and where I want to go is I want to know Christ. Now, now you're going to say, well, yeah, me too, right? But some people don't understand what we mean by knowing Christ. They think, hey, yes, I've said a prayer. I've asked Jesus into my heart. And yes, that starts a relationship with God, but they're not thinking of it as relational. They're thinking of God up here. He's come down. He's died for mankind. And now he lets us go from there with this new life that he's given us. No, that's not what he wants. I want to know you. Paradise lost. Maybe you didn't know paradise was lost, but in the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, guess what? It broke the relationship with God. Before that, God would come down every day, right? I mean, not that he wasn't always with them, but at a certain time of the day, he would actually come and spend time with them and talk to them and be with them. That's why we were made in the first place. And Paul is saying, I want paradise lost to become paradise restored, not in the way out there, but in the here and now. I want in the here and now to know Christ in that way. How how great would that be? How how great would it be if God could speak into your life? Wouldn't it be great to know Christ? Wouldn't it be great if you said, hey, you know what? I'm having problems with my kids. I want to know Christ. In fact, wouldn't it be great if he was in the other room and you could say, he's going to come in here and he's going to send a lightning bolt at you if you don't do. (laughs) You get the idea? Wouldn't it be awesome? I mean, Jesus is in my life. You know, Jesus is going to watch the kids tonight and we're going to go out on date night, you know, but... But here's the thing. No, I want him. He's not going to do that for you, by the way. But what he could do is this. He could speak into your life. Imagine if he spoke in these areas of your life. What would that be like? What would it be like if you knew his plan for your job? What if you knew his plan for your ministry? What if you knew his plan for your marriage and your finances and you put in the blank? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Underline that. He wants to know the power of resurrection. You want to know the power of resurrection? 
That the same power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead, I can't think of anything worse than dying in some ways. There, there are things worse than dying in this life. I've seen them. But not many, right? Because a lot of things you can correct. But once you're dead, it's over, right? You can't correct it anymore. It's done. And he's going, I want to offer you power even over death. And he's saying, I want to take that same power, and that's available in your life. And Paul said, I want to know the power of the resurrection in my life. I want to know that he's resurrecting my life, my marriage, my finances, my life, my ministry, all the things that I'm doing in life. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's a great goal. I like that. The next part is kind of tough, though. And the participation in his sufferings. Anybody want to participate in his sufferings? (laughs) Um, Jesus died on the cross. I mean, I don't think so. But, but I, want to, I want to stop there because a lot of churches, and I've heard it taught this way, and I don't think they're wrong. They'll say, yeah, we all want to know the power of the resurrection, but we don't want to know his suffering. And we wonder why Paul put that. And I thought about it, and I said, you know what? I don't think that's true. Because the people I talk to, the truth is we want to be there in the good times, and we want to be there in the bad times. Is that right? I mean, there's fair-weathered friends, but that's not how it really is. I go, when you watch the movie Band of Brothers, there was something huge. You know what it was? When, when the, soldier, the soldiers that couldn't be there, let's say they got hurt and they were out of the battle, if you're a soldier, then you know what I'm talking about. They would do anything to be there, you know? And you're like, wasn't that the worst thing in the world to be there on D-Day? Yeah, it was, but I'm there beside my brother, and I wouldn't have missed it for anything in the world. You know, you ever had that feeling? That's what it means here. I want to know Jesus so much that I'm there even when it's hard. I don't want to miss that. I want to be a real relationship because there's good times and there's hard times, and I want to be part of that. Okay, you get the idea. And attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Underline that. Attaining to the resurrection. I want to tell you what that doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that, that you've, you've received Christ as your Savior, and now all of a sudden you're scared all the time that I'm not going to make it to heaven. You know, there's people like that. Your salvation isn't based on you. It's based on Christ. So until he changes, until his atonement's not good enough, you're saved, okay? So that's not what he's talking about here. I don't want, I don't want that to be a thought for you to go, oh, no, I'm not going to make it. That's what he's talking about. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is this. I want my life to be worthy of the day of resurrection. I want to give, I want to have these things operating in my life, and then in the end, I want to come and have that be a life worth offering in the day of resurrection. And he's looking forward. What he's doing is he's looking at a future and he's saying, you want to know where the mark is for me? The day of resurrection. That's what I look forward to. How many people look forward to that? Maybe you don't know what that is. Imagine when Jesus is in charge of government. When Jesus comes back and there's no more politics. Amen? <laughs> I mean, are we excited about that or what, right? When Jesus is in charge of health care, right? When I'm not spending 75% of my money for health care because Jesus can just heal people. Okay, that's great, right? I mean, so, yes, we're looking forward to that day. That's his goal. He gets it. In fact, he says that in the next verse. He says what? Let's get to the next one. Verse 12, he says, okay, <laughs> not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. I want, I want you to circle that word goal, my goal. You know what it means? He has a goal. And, and sometimes in the church world, this does, it seems to be so mystical. Like God's going to do this thing, and you don't know about it. And Paul's saying, I know exactly. You know, how, you know how, why the apostle Paul could win? Because he knew what the goal was. I want those things in my life, and I have a goal. Not that I have already obtained all this. You know what that means? I'm not perfect. Okay, I'm not, hitting, I'm not hitting on all cylinders. You know what? I'll take a step, and sometimes I mess up, but I'm taking a step. Now, I want to explain what that means and kind of what it doesn't mean, but, but the part that it means is this. is that Have you ever been to church where people were perfect or they thought they were? <laughs> That's a real turnoff, isn't it? And he's not being falsely modest. He's saying, dude, I have not reached that mark yet, but that's where I'm going. I haven't got it right all the time, but I'm going to keep going. In fact, he goes on to say, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Jesus has done a work in my life, and I'm pressing forward. You know what the word pressing means? That takes effort. It means a striving. Okay? It means that it's not just going to happen. Now, understand this. This is, this is the place where I think it's, it's been mistold. Jesus wants to do a work in your life. You come to faith in Jesus Christ, and then people think, oh, now it's going to be easy. And then when it's not, they're shocked. And the Apostle Paul is going to say this not just once, but he's going to say it a couple times in this passage, this passage, in just a couple verses, he's going to say, you know what it's going to take? You've got to press towards that mark. That means it's not easy. So, so here's the question I want to ask you. I want to ask you to come to the question. 
where, where are you going? Ask yourself that. Maybe you need to write it down. Where am I going? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not, you may have your own list and you'll have to figure that out. Or you may want to look at our list and go, you know what, now I think I might want to be a Christ follower now that I know what it means. I thought it was about perfect people. Now you just realized it wasn't. And now you're going, maybe I could. In fact, it's a prerequisite. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you can't be a perfect person. Okay? <laughs> it is. And in order to become a follower, you have to realize one day, I'm not perfect. Okay? So if you're perfect, you're not welcome. But that's good because nobody's perfect. Okay, you got it. So number one, here's the question I want you to ask yourself about where you're going. What is God calling me to do? You see, too many people are thinking, I have a plan for my life. The Apostle Paul wasn't saying, my goal. What he did was he took God's goals and made it his. And he made it personal. And I want to point that out because here's what I know. You could very easily think, oh, it's about me. I've got to figure this out. No, God's got a great plan for your life. And, and, and we actually think we go to God with our plan and say, God, please bless what I'm doing. Now, can I tell you how stupid that is? I mean, I think God wanted me to say that today. Your plan is kind of dumb to God, okay? Just so you know. I mean, when you, that's only lived for as long as you've lived, come to a God that's been and always has been and always will be, that created a world with a plan, on purpose, with a purpose, and he knew that before he even spoke it into existence, and you're going to him with an idea for the day. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just being honest. That's how some people are praying, because you're going, I had a plan, God, and you ripped my plan apart. And he's going, yeah, but I have a better plan. So let me ask you a question today. Have you ever spent time with God and know the direction question? What is he calling you to do? Do you even know? It's going to take some time, and God will reveal to you, because this is going to empower you in ways that you will never believe when you know what this is. It had done incredible things in the life of the Apostle Paul. Can I tell you, what I admire most about Jesus is he was very clear on what he was called to. Can I tell you what else is is clear? Number two, what he was not called to. What am I called to and what what is God not calling you to? Can I tell you, that list is just as important. What that list will do in your life is it will tell you what you say yes to. When you find out what God's called you to, it will help you say no to some things in your life. Can I tell you something? Some people are not going by a calling that God's given them. Here's where your goal is, and and here's a loser, because I can tell you I've done it. I want to please people. Can I tell you something about that? That's a loser, right? Because people change their mind. And I say, if you've got a whole bunch of people in your life, you're going to learn real quick. You can't make them all happy, right? And even after you do all that stuff, right? You ever said this? After everything I've done, they're still not happy, right? And they're not going to be. And you're going to go, I'm a failure because they're upset. No, it's not about them being upset or not. Let me, let me take some pressure off. You know what Jesus said about it? He said, they hated me. And if you follow me, they'll hate you too, <laughs> By the way, they hate other people too, okay? They hate everybody because they're, they're, they're restless, irritable, restless, and discontent, and they're looking for somebody to blame. And that's a good thing that you're a Christian because they can blame you because you're not, you're not fixing them. You're, you're not God, see? And, and take some of the pressure off God is saying, hey, I'm God, and you're not. So why don't you let me be God, and you do what I'm calling you to do? And now you'll have the ability to say no to somebody. I think for somebody, that's probably going to be the greatest thing that God ever does. Because the truth is, you know where you're going. The truth is, you know how you need to get there. But what's holding you back is somebody going, every time you take a step in this direction, somebody gets their talons on you and they go, no, I want you to do this. But because you don't have a plan, you're failing. Is that right? Okay. So he says all this and we're going to take a look. Let's take a look at where he goes next. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm sorry. If, if I were to flip back, you know what he said? Not that I have already obtained all this. Is he stuttering or is he just forgotten? He's rewriting it or is this an insertion in the word and we didn't know it? No, I've checked the scripture out. This is real, authentic. All the, all the manuscripts say this was in here. He's not stuttering. What he's saying is I want you to know I'm not perfect. This is not about perfection, Okay. But I want you to pay attention to this next part because this is the part. This next part is what will change it all. This is the clock thing, okay? Now he knows where he wants to go, and this is the answer. But one thing I do. You want to circle that in your thing? One thing I do. Now, how many people are looking at that and going, what? Because I, and what I know about life is this. If you want to know the key to life, this is it. The one thing I do. What, what is that? Because i got to tell you. Life is nothing if it's not multifaceted. Is that right? <laughs> huh? You married? <laughs> a 
Life is, you got kids, it's multifaceted. You know, my wife has a list, and my kids have a list, and my job has a list. And that might be nice for Paul, who was an apostle, who wasn't married. Maybe that's why you only had one thing. Good for you, Paul. I'm married, okay? <laughs> no, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean life's not multifaceted. It doesn't mean his life wasn't multifaceted. It didn't mean he didn't have more than one relationship. I do want to explain what it means, because if you get this right, you, you, may have an, you may have an aha moment today that would change everything, okay? So, so let's turn over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Jesus is teaching. He had just taught, I believe he had just taught the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> and on the Sermon on the Mount, he had thrown at them. It, it, it just, it blew their minds. He went out on the side of a hill, and he had several thousand people there. And he said, let me tell you what God is like. And he went, and, and I went, Wow, Jesus, when I read the message, I was like, that's one message? I mean, that's one sitting? That's like 52 sermons that he preached right there. And he threw everything that he could at him. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are all these people. If you don't do this, you can't get into the kingdom of God. And he just went on and on and on. And they were like, their head was just swimming. Like, we've never heard anything like this before. And one they were going, he's so wise. Everything he said was like, you know, we would spend the rest of our lives preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus did it in an hour. You know what I mean? Wait a minute, they weren't Baptists. He can take a little bit longer. Okay. <laughs> I'm playing. That was funny. They, they think it's funny. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and so then he teaches them how to pray, and, and they go, we never heard that you could just talk to God. We never heard that you could pray like that. You know, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he teaches them that. And then he goes on and he goes, I see you guys aren't getting it. Let me tell you something. You guys are worried about a whole bunch of things in your life. And they're like, yeah, okay. You worried? Jesus is telling them. He goes, I can tell you're worried. And he says, how many of you, he goes, he goes, I can tell you're worried about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. And they're like, yep, you're right, because we're going to die if we don't do those things. Yeah, we're worried about our jobs. We're worried about our, our economy. We're worried about Roman emperor. We're worried about all these things going on in our life. And Jesus says, well, you know what? You need to stop worrying. And they're like, what? That's easy for you to say. He goes, yeah, I can see you're not getting it. Let me ask you a question then. How many of you can add a single inch to your height? Oh, well, I guess that makes sense. No, by worrying, can you add any inches here? It, by worrying, can you? You can add some inches to your waist, but but not to your height. Okay, I get it. But but you know, hey, could you add? Could you add a single day to your life? Could you add a single hour to your life? Could you add a single second to your life? No. Well, what are you worried about? And then he says, "I see you don't understand because you don't understand the one thing." And then he says this: "But seek you first His kingdom and His righteousness, and then all these other things will be given to you as well." He said, if you want your life to flow, it doesn't mean there won't be problems in life. It means you've got to get this one thing right or your life won't work. Can I tell you something? If your life ain't working, this is where it's at. If you're full of worry today, you haven't gotten this one thing. Maybe I put it a little bit more pointed. You stressed out today, you don't have this. Now I got your attention, huh? The same thing happened first service. You could have heard a pin drop. It was like, yeah, I kind of get that. Yep, that's good. What? You're talking to me. Yeah, I am. Because you thought I was talking to somebody else. But the reason you're stressed is you don't get this. If you're stressed out, you're worried, you don't know where the next paycheck, you're worried about life, then the thing is you don't get the one thing. And Paul's going, but one thing I do. And if I don't get this one right, nothing else works. I've got to get this right. Do you got this right? Let me tell you what this means and what it doesn't mean. I thought about it, and I was like, you know, you got to have your priorities. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but I've, heard a, I've heard a message, and it was great, and, I, and I'm not disagreeing with it because I think we do need to teach that, is to say you need to order your life, meaning that God is number one. You ever heard this? And your spouse is number two, that God has the top slot. Your spouse is number two. Your kids are three. Get it? Your job, your ministry, you kind of have to work that out. You know, I don't know. I need to eat. I need to, I need to do ministry. I don't know which one. And, and, then, and then family and friends and all this other stuff, and there's a slot for everybody. You get the idea? And, and you have that on a list so you know who's most important. There's a problem with that, though. That's not what he's talking about here. You see, we're going, oh, yeah, that means God's in the number one slot. Let me say it different for men. God's in the number one box, right? And, and how, many people, how many people, when they eat, they, um, they don't let the food touch on their plate? Huh? Don't raise your hand. Okay, I can see. Nobody does that. That's good. My wife does that. Don't tell her. She's in the nursery. And uh, <laughs> she don't let the food touch on her plate. I throw it all together, and it's all mixed up. You get it? God's not saying whether it's good or bad to do either one of those. But here's what he's saying. You know what he's saying? He's not saying. You see, what God doesn't want is he doesn't want a compartment on your plate. Okay? 
I mean, I'm just being honest. And now, now you need to know he's number one. That's great. And there needs to be other people in your life because very quickly you're going to go, wait a minute, you mean I got to spend all my time in church? No, I'm not talking about church right now. I'm talking about God. I'm not just talking about the time you spend with him reading the Bible. What I'm saying is God wants to be the one thing that everything flows out of. Does that make sense? So what he wants is when you organize your plate, let's say, let's say it's a plate, he wants to say, hey, whether it's all jumbled up or not, that's okay for some of us. We're like, I don't know. It's all, I don't want the compartments. But the ones that do, here's what he's saying. He goes, I, I, want, I, want to have, I want to have some say in your marriage. You know what I want to do? I want to be able to speak into your job. You know what I want to do? I want to do this over here. But the problem is some people have segregated God and said, you're allowed this slot. But then over here, I make the decisions from here. Now I understand the problem. That's why you're not winning. Because how can you know what God wants if he's not able to speak? That's why the Apostle Paul said, "What I want to know Christ. You getting it now? Let me ask you a question. Let me say it differently. How big of a difference would it be if Jesus could speak into your marriage? How big of a difference would it make if Jesus could speak into your job? If Jesus would come and personally be with you and help you with your kids, right? What if Jesus would come and help you with your finances? What if Jesus had a plan for all those things, and he does? What difference would it make in your life? I can tell you what it would make. It would help you win. That's how you're going to get there. But you've got to get this right, or none of the rest of it will work. One thing I do, that's what he's talking about. All right, let's go to the next one. Forgetting what is behind. Underline that. Forgetting what is behind. You know what that means? Put the past in the past. Now, now I'm not going to spend a lot of time there today, not because this isn't important. In fact, it's so important, we spent an entire message on this. That was last Sunday. <laughs> so if you missed that, go back to last week, newbranch.tv. It's in, your, it's in your handouts today. You can go there, and you can watch last week's message. And we also have CDs available for those that are out in Zuni and can't. You're low-tech. <laughs> Just playing i got to stop insulting people. It's not going to work out too well. But anybody needs these CDs, you can pick them up on the way out. They're free. And, uh, and we have audios on our website and stuff like that. Why am I saying that? Because if you don't deal with your past, here's what I know. You will never have the future God wants. If your past is constantly coming out and grabbing you and pulling you back, if you're focused on your past, it's like looking in a rearview mirror and thinking you're not going to hit the trees in front of you. You get the idea? If you said, hey, all I'm going to do is look at the rearview mirror. I'm perfectly good with what's going on in the past. You can never have the here and now that God wants. But you're going to have to deal with that. And last week we talked about how to do that. I just want to say one thing towards it, though, before we go move past it. And that is the Apostle Paul could very easily seem like a person to you that maybe wasn't touched by a past. The Apostle Paul had an agonizing past. In fact, his name wasn't even Paul. They had to change it because of how horrible he was. His name was Saul. And he was every bit as bad of any terrorist that we know today. If we brought them here today and you said, that is a horrible person that God could never redeem. They deserve to go to hell, right? You know what we say? And he'd say, that's me. That's what I did. I killed Christians. I did everything that you see happening today. That's what I did. And God saved me. So don't think he thinks this is a simple thing. It ain't hard. It wasn't easy for Paul to get past his past. When he came to church meetings and they said, there's the terrorist. There's the person that killed my family. He said, yeah, I know, but I believe in Jesus now. He had to do something to get rid of that guilt and to be able to move on with his life. And I just want to make sure you know this isn't somebody that didn't know what he's writing. It's amazing. God let him write this to say, I can forget what's behind. It doesn't mean he forgot about it as if it didn't exist. It means that he learned that God could take that away and he could look at it as if it was in a rearview mirror. And now I can look at what's ahead. Because let me tell you something. It ain't the trees behind you that's going to kill you. It's the ones ahead. And Apostle says, forgetting what is behind and doing what? Straining straining towards what is ahead. You want to underline that? Straining towards what is ahead. Second time he said that, right? I press. And now he says, I strain. What does that mean? It's going to take intentionality. It's not easy. You see, it's easy to come to faith in Christ. Believing in Jesus costs you nothing. But following Jesus is going to cost you everything. You get the picture? All right, so let's move on. Straining towards what is ahead. I press. You see how many times he said that? Three times. I, I press, I strain, I press. I don't want you to think that we're just the same verse. This is a new verse, and he's saying the same thing within the course of a couple sentences. I press, I strain, I press towards what? I want you to circle it. I press on towards the goal, circle it, to win the prize for which God had called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. On a circle, press, circle, goal, circle, win. You want to know how you win? You press. You know how you press? You have, you have a goal. You have a plan. You got a plan today? Let me tell you something. You don't have a plan. You plan to lose. 
I love what John Maxwell said. He said, he said, success is really where preparation meets opportunity. That's good. A lot of people think if I had opportunities, then, then, it, would, then it would work out for me. Can I tell you something? That's not true. And let, me, let me say it different. Some of you guys have heard this story. You're probably sick of it. Two farmers pray for rain. <laughs> One farmer prays for rain, and, and he goes home and waits for the rain. And the other farmer prays for rain, and he goes out and plants his field. Which one do you think benefits from the rain? Let me say something. God is the only one that can bring the rain, so please don't hear me say anything different. God is the only one. He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But hear me out. If you don't put this into practice, you don't have a plan, you don't start acting on what God's telling you, when God sends the rain, it will do you no good. Okay? And by the way, the person that didn't plant the field and the one that did, or the person that didn't plant the field and prayed, and the one who didn't pray, they're both in the same boat. Did I tell you something? Because why? Because God expects you to act on what he said. The direction of your feet, not your intentions. You get the idea? That's why in the book of James it says, don't just be hearers of God's word. That's why a lot of churches, they think they're so great because they know so much of God's word. You know how much the word of God does you if you don't act on it? In fact, it says negative. It says you've been better off not knowing because now you're accountable for what you know, being you never acted on it. Right? Nobody likes to hear this, but that's why we're losing. Because we think somehow mystical over the rainbow, God's going to do all this. And the Apostle Paul is saying, that's not true. I press, I strain, I'm pressing because I know where I'm going. Half the Christians don't know where they're going. They're going, I'm I'm, I'm going by what anybody tells me in any given day. I'm going by myself. I'm going by my appetite. Let me know how that works out for me, right? Can I tell you how it worked out for me? (laughs) Not good. So here's what I want to say. What is the plan? And God has a plan for you to win. This is not about guilt. This is about saying, hey, you know what? Prepare. Abraham Lincoln said, I'll prepare and perhaps my time will come. Here's John's version. If you don't prepare, it doesn't matter if your time comes. It doesn't matter how many miracles God does. If you don't prepare and you don't plan and you don't take action, this will do you no good. Get it? That's why some people will come and they'll make an experience with God and then they'll go away and their life will be thrashed again. And they'll go, well, I thought I prayed. You did. But you've got to take the next step with God. So here's what I want to do. I just want to give you a plan today. And I want you to write it down. I hope you'll write it down. I hope you'll look at it as though it's a filter. I spent a lot of time on this. These aren't just my words. I used stuff from other people, and I kind of conglomerated it, and I took a look through the lens of the Bible and through this passage, and I came up with some things that maybe you want to use as a filter in your life for a win. You want to win? Here's a plan, okay? So let me give you six things, and then I'll get you out of here. Number one, pray. Number one, pray. Almost forgot that one. You know, you look at a lot of self-help books and they have some of these other things, but what's missing is the prayer. They're not including God in on the, on, the, on the compass. They're not including God in on the how. Let me say something. God doesn't just want to be involved in the big picture. That's where we go wrong. Oh, God told me to do this, so now i got a brain. I'm going to take care of myself. God wants to be part of your daily you know, why? you know why in the Bible, and if you look through it, you'll see this over and over and over. Here's just one example. You know what he said? When you pray, you pray this, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. You know what some of us are praying for? God, take care of me this year. You know why we're praying that? Because we're not going to talk to him again until next year. And God's saying, I don't want to give you tomorrow's grace today. I want you to come back to me because you're going to need me. The problem is you want my grace, but you don't want me. You see, you want, you want what's on the master's table, but not the master. And what you're missing is the greatest part of the master's table. It isn't what's on it, although that's great. The greatest part about heaven isn't the stuff, although it's incredible. It's Jesus. And he's going, I want you to know me. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I want to know Christ. Pray to him. You got problems. Have you brought them to God? Have you even asked him? Have you ever went at a time where you're going, I'm not coming to God with my complaints? Can I tell you, I think he wanted me to say today to somebody, please stop complaining and ask me. (laughs) Maybe this, ask me nicely, you'll get further. (laughs) Right? Instead of wringing your hands, how could you do this to me? God, what is it you want? God, what do you want from my life? God, what do you want from these circumstances? God, why did you place me here? Oh my gosh, you've got a plan, you've got a purpose, and he's going to give that to you so you will know where you're going. 
What, if, what is your plan in this? I can't imagine. This is what I would think in my head. I can't imagine you could have a plan for this. Yeah. But then have you ever looked in hindsight and go, oh, man, God had a plan for that. <laughs> you ever realize how delusional we are today? Hmm. I meet with people all the time. You know what I've noticed the most? Most people don't see the world as it really is. And I'm going, you are so delusional. And then I come home and I go, John, you're so delusional. <laughs> and we know, and we know that from 20 years ago, right? What did, when you got married, what did you think marriage was going to be like? Is it anything like that? Huh? When you started working, when you joined the military, what did you think it was going to be like? <laughs> right? When you went to the recruiter and they told you all those lies and you thought that, and then later on you woke up and you found out what the Navy was really like, right? I mean, that's true, right? You don't have a clue. So why are you trying to figure out the future or the here and now when God knows it all and he's already there? That's why you're losing. Because you're not going to the one that you're tapping into the source. And instead you're questioning him instead of asking him, God, what do you want me to do? And suddenly you realize because of Jesus I can trust in God. Please, please, please don't just say, yeah, yeah, I got number one. You do? Because if you had number one, you wouldn't be asking this. You wouldn't be wringing your hands at this if you had number one. Daily, not in a day, okay? God wants to make you daily, not in a day. So true. Number two, write down your goals. After you meet with God, I know, he, I know the Apostle Paul said one thing you do. Life is multifaceted. Don't leave anything off. Start writing it down. What does God want me to do? Maybe just take some of your quiet time if you have one. If you don't, Develop a time. Maybe that's the first goal. I need a quiet time so I can hear from God, so I can know what I'm supposed to do. It's going to take some time. You get it? But don't wait till it's all perfect. Now, you perfect people, here's what you're going to want to do. You're going to need to have a weekend summit before you'll do this. Okay? Well, I'm going to finally get around to it, and you're going to come up, and 10 years later, you'll come up with a plan, and by then, you know, we'll all be really old. Okay? So don't do that. Okay? Start. Start writing down, maybe today, just five things God is telling you to do with your life. And you go, well, I didn't get them all on there. Okay, well, go back and write down some more. It's okay. Every time you meet with God, he'll give you something else. It's okay. Maybe you'll look at one and you'll go, that's not even really a goal. Let me take it off. Okay, take it off. It's not about perfection, but it is about this. Start writing it down so you're focused. Now, now some people are like this. i got a photographic memory. I don't need to write that stuff down. Trust me when I tell you, your spouse just told me to tell you, you're not that good. Trust me. Okay, You, you do forget. <laughs> Believe me, you forget. There are people that are that smart. I still ask you to write it down because of what we're going to do with it next. Okay? Don't just keep it in your head. Put it on paper. The Apostle Paul thought enough that he wrote it in the book of Philippians. You get it? That became Holy Scripture, his goals for his life. You think you're better than him? <laughs> What's the problem here? Okay, so you get it. Write it down, please. Write down your goals. Maybe you've never done that before in your life. You might be surprised because you're going, uh, okay. And then here is how you're going to measure your goals. Here's how it really becomes reality. Some of you guys are like, I don't like that big picture stuff, but you're going to like this part, and now you're going to understand why it's so important. This is where the rubber meets the road. If you want to win, here's the next part. Number three, keep a calendar. I can't say the amount of people I come to and they go, no, nah, I don't really need to have a calendar. Really? Well, that's why you forgot that meeting. <laughs> that's why you're late. And we're kind of sick of it. Okay, okay. <laughs> your boss had told me to tell you that. All right, so write it down. Keep it on a calendar. Keep your agenda on a calendar. But there, there's more to it than just that. Now, you might be saying, as a Christian, you've heard a lot about journaling. I think journaling is wonderful. But let me tell you what journaling does. Can I tell you what it does? You know what it's focused on? The past. <laughs> you journal all you want, and you're going to be so smart in your journal. My memoirs are going to be so great. One, because I can rewrite what happened because you weren't there, so you don't know. So I can rewrite and make it all this. Because let me tell you something, you don't even see the past correctly. Is that right? You ever heard somebody talk about the past and you're like, I'm sorry, I was there. It wasn't that great. Okay, I mean, you weren't that great back then, but you say you are now? Or it was so bad and I was so terrible and I went through all this and you can't believe what I went through. And you're like, yeah, it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> it, it, just trust me, it gets inflated. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. Why not write something down that you can actually do something about? You know what you can't do? You can't relive the past. Nothing wrong with documenting it, but spend more time on where God's taking you to instead of where you've been. You want to know how churches die? They focus more on the past than they do on where God's taking them to, and that's why we've died. We focus more on the past of where our country was and where we want to get back to than where we need to go. Get it? 
And some people are frustrated and angry, and you go, I don't care. But you know, the point is, you can't go back and relive the past. You can only do what's ahead. So keep a calendar, which is documented. And then number four, this is what's going to change your life. Here's where the compass and the clock come together. You take those goals, and you put them next to your calendar, and nothing goes on your calendar that isn't on that goal list. Got your attention? That's why I said you might have to add some things. For some of us men, we're going to go, I forgot my wife. <laughs> I guess I don't have to do anything with her. <laughs> you know? No, it's not, a, it's not a laminated list, okay? Please. Again, Raising in Nursery, don't say that. We're going to have to use first service for the recording. Okay, all right. <laughs> but you add them. See, that's what I'm saying. I forgot about my kids. Yeah, I know. And you're, you're going to be surprised that you can forget these things, but it's easy. And let me tell you something. You say that now, but if I looked at your real calendar, I'm not talking about the one you write down, but the one that you say, my family's most important. And I looked at your calendar today and said, how much time do you actually spend with them? Maybe you should mark that off your goal list because they ain't your goal. Ooh, that hurts, don't it? When you actually see, instead of saying, but that's what I mean to do. Can I tell you again? Direction, not intention, determines your destination. You want a great family. It's not because you intended to have one. It isn't because you'd even decided to have one. It's because you started walking in that direction. And this will give you the freedom to do that. Let me tell you what else it will give you the freedom to do. It will give you the freedom to say no. When you're looking at your calendar and somebody calls and says, but you don't understand. This is urgent. Yeah, I know. But it's not important to me. They're not going to be happy with that, by the way. Don't say it like that. <laughs> you're not important to me. Don't say that. Okay? If you, if you didn't get a call back, you know I'm not, you're not important to me. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You're not saying that. What you're saying is, is I have prioritized. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of great things for me to do in life. There's a lot of good things for me to do in life. But God has called me to do some things, and I have limited time, and I'm not gifted in that area, and maybe somebody else needs to meet that need. Because here's what I know. Not every need is a calling. Okay? Why don't you hang up your God complex for a little while? Because just because somebody's calling you don't mean you need to do it. Because God is freeing you up to do what you're good at. And what's going to happen is, as soon as you do this, let me tell you, Satan is going to get in there and he's going to have them people call you because he knows about this and he don't want you to do this. And so what's going to happen is, either one, you're not going to do it at all and you're going to be right here in the same boat going, I don't know why my life's turning out like this. I can, I can tell you. You don't have a plan. You haven't even enacted on it. Can I tell you something? You're going to lose. And some Christians, they just like everybody come. And we say, hey, come as you are. You can come if you're broken. And I go, I want you to come broken. That's how we all come. We all come imperfect. But the Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to press towards the mark. Oh, yeah, I ain't going to do that. I'm just going to keep being the victim. Can I tell you what the problem in the church world is? We think that God loves the loser. No, he don't. He wants you to win. He wants to take somebody that was losing and go, I want you to win. And maybe you're ready to win today. That's why I asked the question, do you want to win or do you just, some people actually like, they just like being the victim. They like people feeling sorry for them. We'll feel sorry for you. We'll pray for you. But if you're ready to win, then get out your calendar, put your schedule in there and say, God called me to do this. That's why you prayed first. You get it? And then you say, nothing is going to take my calendar. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to press. Towards the mark. Why? Because I want to win with my family. I don't want to get to the end of the day and say, my son doesn't know me. Right? I don't want to get to the end of the day and say, my finances are wrecked and I've just left an atrocity to my family. I don't want to get to the end of the day and say, I never spent any time doing the ministry God called me to do. You get the picture? And this is where it's won and lost. Not in a pie in the sky somewhere over the rainbow. Some days it's going to happen for me. It happens daily, not in a day. You get the picture? And so if you get this, you will win. You ready to win? This is what it's going to take. Do this and see what God will do. And it might, it, it might do that in your life. All right, hurry up and listen because I'm getting hungry. All right, number five, okay, evaluate progress. This is the one that's missing. Some people have done all the rest, but you've never taken the time to evaluate. We jump from event to event. I've done this a lot in my life. And you know what that does when you don't evaluate? Here's where the journaling comes in. You take your calendar, and after you've done it, you actually measure your progress. This is measurable. This is how you know you're winning. So you're taking it out like a scorecard, and you're saying, hey, I decided I want to read my Bible. Well, how many times did I do it this week? And you've checked it off, and you say, you know what? This week, I've read the Bible one time this week. Now, that might not sound like a lot to you, because we're going to do it daily. My goal is every day I want to spend time with God, but I did it one day this week. You know how many times I did it the last 40 years? 
Well, then that's awesome, right? I mean, you spent some time with God. Okay, it's going to take you time to do it every day, but you did it one day last week. Next week, I'm going to do better, and I'm going to evaluate so I can start to make some corrections. You get the picture? That's why you're evaluating, because you're going, these are my goals. How am I doing with it? I know it sounds simple, but let me tell you, most people don't do it. Common sense is not common practice here, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's the simplest thing, but when I ask people, they look as though, if I came in here today and I tell people, what is your life goals? I've done this with leaders before, and they went, huh? And I go, now I know why you're losing, because you have no idea what you're trying to hit. And then you start to measure the progress. You go, hey, I'm shooting the target. What am I doing? It's just the same thing with shooting. You know what you do? You shoot the target, and then, and then you call your shots. If you don't call your shots, you're just spraying the bullets. You go, thanks, keep doing that. I'll win every time, right? But, but if I start calling my shots and go, this is why I'm doing that. Oh, here's where I can correct that. That's where you want. That's what the evaluation is for. So important. You include God in the, in the evaluation. You start to look at it and you start to realize, hey, I've got a plan for my life and I've got, I can see what the progress is. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is this. Number six, you share it with your inner circle. You share it with your inner circle. Do you have one? Maybe some people are looking at me like, what? What are you talking about? The people that you share life with. The people that are going down the path with you. The people that know how to get life. You you see what they have and you say, I want some of that. They're the people you want to talk to and include them in on this and go, hey, could you come and tell me? But not just that. Hey, I could tell you some things that work too. And we start to circle up and we start to say, hey, we could start to move forward together and win. You get the idea? And we can do a lot more together than apart. And we learned that hiking. I went with Frenchie, and he's getting ready to go again. And he's gotten much better. Why? Because he spent a lot of time with guys on the trail. You know how you do it? You're on the trail. You want to know how you're going to do this? Start walking. You know, you know how you're going to learn? You start walking, and you go, hey, would you take a look at my goals? What do you think about that? I think that. You might need to tweak that a little bit. You find some people that can speak into your life, and they're going, yeah, you might want to try this. Hey, you know what? You know what worked for me? Having date night twice a month. Really? How do you do that? It worked wonders for my marriage. You get the idea? So they're looking at your goals, and you're measuring it together. Not big person, little you, but having those. Now, if you don't have that, then here's what I would like to ask you to do. In in the back of your outlines today, just pull that out, and there's a list of all of our community groups. And we made a point to saying after Easter, we decided not to meet until this week. So if you're not signed up, this is a great time to do it. we got new groups starting. I'm starting one on Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage because marriage is funny. Okay? And uh, we're going to talk about that. And, uh, and we got a great speaker that's going to do that through a video thing. And so, so here's what I want to do. Sign up for a group. Would you do that? Just on your connection card today, right on your connection card that's in there, right on the back there's a slide that says, I want to join a group, and we'll call you this week. Okay? Simple as that. Don't do it and keep thinking, I don't really have nobody like that. Well, that's because you're not spending time with people you got to get in. It doesn't mean it has to be formalized like we're doing, but, but the point is, let's move forward together. And when you have that, all of a sudden, you've got a huge, huge win in your life. I want to go back to that list just one more time before we close and to say this. I want you to start thinking of if you filtered stuff through this lens. You want to start reading the Bible. Imagine if you started praying to God, you wrote down, hey, I want to do this, and then all of a sudden you kept it on your calendar, and you said, hey, what time works best for me to do that? You know what I'm saying? You're reading your Bible, and you're going, hey, I'm really struggling with this, and then you schedule it, and then you start evaluating, saying, hey, man, I'm really, I'm really struggling. I'm reading this part of the Bible. It doesn't make sense. Let me get some help, and then I share it with my inner circle. And all of a sudden, with that inner circle, they're saying, hey, maybe you want to read here. Hey, maybe you want to take this class before you start reading so you'll understand the Bible a little bit better. You get the idea? Maybe you struggled with that all your life and you didn't know, but this will work for that. You know what? It works with your finances. When you go, hey, I want to get Dave Ramsey involved and I want to come to some people that are winning with their finances and I, and I start working this process and realize that, hey, it's going to take effort, but the truth is I'm going to sign up for that class this time. When we have it again, I want to sign up and get my finances straight. You know what? I want to do it with my marriage. I want to do it with my other stuff. This stuff works practically. If you'll take this list and you'll put it next to everything you're doing in your life that you want to win at, it will work. It's God's plan for you to win. Okay, so here's what I want you to do as we get ready to leave. Imagine, imagine with me just a second, if you win. Imagine what it looks like if, if you're the father or you're the, you're the wife or you're, 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 you're the spouse that you, you want to be. Your marriage turned out like you thought it would. What does, what does that look like? What would it look like if you were to win in your ministry? What would it look like if you were to win with your kids? What does it look like if you win with your finances? What does it look like if you're there and you've now won? What does it look like? And then once you do this, imagine it doesn't. Imagine not winning. Imagine losing. What does that look like? And the difference between winning and losing is this, right? The difference between winning and losing is just what we talked about today, starting with the one thing I do that lets God speak into my life and lets other people get in there. And if you do that, I guarantee you, 
You know what she'll say at the end? Here's what you'll do on the day of resurrection. Your salvation is secure if you believe in Jesus Christ. But on the day of resurrection, as he opens up the books and he says, what did you do with your life? You know what you can say? You can say, I don't even need you to open the book. Here's what I can tell you. I'm not perfect. (laughs) I've messed up a lot of things. I haven't already obtained all this. I haven't already arrived at my goal. But here's what I did. I pressed towards the goal. I strained towards what is ahead. You get the picture? And now I have a life on the day of resurrection that's worthy of the death of Jesus Christ. Get it? I wasn't, but now I am because of him. Now, don't think I'm telling you God didn't do that. God did that work, and you're presenting your life to him. Imagine if you don't. You get the picture? That's why this is so important. It's daily, not in a day. And if you do it, we could win. Let's stand for prayer. Father God, we come before you today, and nothing excites me more than than realizing if we would take these steps, we could actually win. (laughs) I spent a lot of my life losing. I I spent a lot of my life as a loser. But Lord, as you came in, you, you transformed some things. And it's not that I've already obtained all this, but I've learned that, God, if we start to apply some of this, we can start to win in our life. And it's awesome. And I'm praying that for somebody today. I pray for the person that came in and they're going, I haven't even answered the compass question. I don't even know Jesus. I pray right now in their own words, maybe they'll, they'll call out to you and receive you as their Savior. And then come let us know. I pray for the Christian that maybe he's drifted and said, you know what, I did know one time, but I've kind of drifted and my compass question is out there or some tragedy happened for me and I thought God was done with me. And they're going, hey, God's pulling me back in. And if I had this plan, if I, if I could pray and God would speak into my life and, and I, could actually, I could actually evaluate some and, and do this planning and write down some of the things that God's telling me and then take that to some trusted people. Maybe for somebody, they're going, I don't have any trusted people. Maybe, maybe the, the linchpin for them is they're going to walk out this door today without anybody that knows them. And today's the day before they walk out, they'll say, you know what? I want to join a group. You know what? I'm going to give it a shot. You know, I know it's not going to happen overnight. I know it may take me months before I get to know somebody that well. But before long, they're going to be in my life. And then the win is going to be the day that they're getting ready to make the big mistake. And they call that friend. And the friend says, hey, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't do that. That's what happened to me, God. You used that in my life, and I believe you can do it. You can do it for me. You can do it for them. I'm praying that all over this place. That's what occurs today. That maybe they'll, they'll reach out of their comfort zone one time. They'll say, you know what? I think it's stupid, but maybe it's Satan deceiving me. Maybe, I'm, dis, maybe I'm, I'm being delusional because I'm going, yeah, I think I know all the right answers, but you know, the truth is I'm struggling over here. Maybe, maybe I need to, 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 to get something and, and, and realize that God can use other people in my life too. So I'm just praying for them today, God, that that you'll do that. Lord, we pray that you receive all the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.